But you know what? I thought you were mysterious like my mother until it turned out the mysterious just meant depressed, all right? Hard to reach. I mean, I'm dying here. I don't like going out. You know that I get anxiety when I have to meet people. You know how hard that is. Everything you touch turns to shit! Like King Midas' idiot brother. Jesus. But if you two aren't the biggest pair of fuck-ups I've ever met in my entire life... Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Give Us a Second, a mini-sode series brought to you by the greatest moments in the history of forever, and this is our 39th Give Us a Second. We're calling this one Memorable Trailers Volume 1, just in case we ever want to do another one. Yeah, you never know. And this is our first... Give us a second since I did two by myself, which I don't feel like was discussed enough on the show. We're wading back into the waters. That's true. We have kind of just like blown past that. The fact that I did two solo things. The weird things that (laughs) happened like during COVID. We tried just to like not talk about. No, I don't know. I I thought they were good. Yeah, it is crazy that I recorded that second one. And then when I was done, I realized it was like over an hour. And I was like, what the? It's just, you know, it's not a lot of laughs on a solo show. That's the hard part. <laughs> well, some would argue Folks, what never can it write? had a lot of laughs. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Probably not in this one either. So this is your idea. Yeah. Probably something that I'm dragging you into kicking and screaming, but uh, for me... <laughs> no, not necessarily. Okay. Trailers are, like, super... I, I mean, I guess I can't say that, like, today they still are, but throughout my life trailers have been like so important to me in terms of like getting to the theater to see all the trailers like such a big part of the movie going experience even like certain tv spots for certain movies not so much anymore but growing up i I can still remember being terrified by like the scream (laughs) tv spots even though it's like when you watch that movie you're like this is basically a comedy yeah but for years it was always something that whatever relationship i was in throughout my life Getting to the theater on time, ass in seat, before the trailers start rolling. I think there's like a ton of people that are just like, yeah, I I don't really care. I like, I could get there for the opening credit sequence, but I'm just like, if I miss the trailers, it would like ruin my week. I 100% agree with you. I love trailers. There are probably tons of memorable trailers in my life that I loved at the time. The only part where I start to differ is how long they stay with me after I actually see the movie. (laughs) Because when you pitch this idea, at first I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. We love trailers. I always want to see every trailer before a movie starts. It's funny. But then you threw these trailers out, and I was like, I don't really even remember these trailers. Like, I, I, I think I forget them once I see the movie. Yeah, okay. I have ones that it's like, I, I've still gone back, and you know, some of the ones we'll do today, where I've gone back and like watched the trailer on YouTube years later, just because I'm like, I thought this was a great trailer. Like, I don't want to watch the movie again, but I thought this was a well-constructed trailer. And it's funny now, like, I'm thinking about back around when our friendship started. I, I feel like you would be telling me about a movie you went to see and talk about all the trailers that were before it. <laughs> As like if the, that was more important Yeah, those were like our conversations. And I remember like one day you like trying to tell me what trailers were before a movie and you were like, I was actually considering taking like a notebook and like writing down the trailers <laughs> because I always have such a hard time remembering what they were <laughs> afterwards. And I'm sure they were all super important Just movies like that really mattered. Riveting. The people sitting around us knew like one day these guys are going to have a podcast <laughs> talking about writing down what trailers. Aired. Like the fucking due date trailer starring oh, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. or I Some do remember stupid thing that I saw 10 million times during those days. And there were a couple of ideas we threw around for this one, like stuff that we did for yeah, the I show. Yeah, I wanted to say a couple of important trailers that we just immediately, well, there's one that okay, we definitely sure. crossed right off, which yeah, yeah. was Black Swan, because we had already done it on the show. Now, there is one of our picks today that we did do previously an episode on. It was a very early episode, but I felt like we could maybe do like one i didn't want to have too many movies that we'd already discussed because i felt like we would sort of start straying into the talking about the movie i think so yeah but one thing on black swan though that was one of the ones where i didn't know it was coming out at all and this was like a trailer that you were like describing to me like darren aronofsky well no the best part is you're like 
holy fuck, Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis are like making out. What is this? It looks like some dark, fucked up ballerina movie, like some kind of a nightmare. And then at the end, it's like from the director of Requiem for a Dream and The Fountain or, or The I think Wrestler. I The Wrestler, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, holy shit, Aronofsky's doing this? And that was like the icing on the cake because I, I was like a big fan. <laughs> yeah. I was blown away because my friend was showing me the trailer just like, hey, can you believe oh, okay. Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis are making out? He did not give a shit about the Darren Aronofsky part of it. And then right. that part gets tacked on at the end and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then like at the very end of the trailer, like Natalie Portman pulls like a black feather out of her shoulder like a little, and you're like what is this yeah it was an awesome trailer but we're not talking <laughs> right, about right, that right. One. that's enough yeah the other one i wanted to mention real fast well jennifer's body was like a big trailer for me but you didn't even really know much about that movie until i like gave you the well, blu-ray no i do remember that i remember the tv spots for it but i thought what i was picturing for that movie was not at all what it's like and what my reaction is I, to well it i think that was a big problem with the movie was right, how it right. was marketed yeah <laughs> and We've talked enough about that movie. We also did that on the show, and then we talked about the 10-year anniversary and how it's been reappraised in recent years. But that was a fun trailer as well. I just thought of another one that I just wanted to bring up real fast, just because once I say it, you'll know exactly why. Okay, yeah. The 2003 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Talk about well. That's with the thing. song to the siren. Yeah, it, that one of the things that I, that makes a trailer is the music in it. That was such a an insane musical choice for that trailer, and yeah, it always stuck with me because I think the song, the cover, it's a cover by what this mortal coil, right? Right. They're right. covering the old. Uh, I can't remember his name. Jeff Buckley's right, dad. Right. Right. Anyway. Just not what you would think for a musical choice, especially in 2003 oh, yeah. when rap metal was like still kind of around and you had like a lot of mud vein type bands right. or some bullshit where you'd think, oh, we're going to put some lame ass metal song over this. I know, like such an interesting choice and it worked so well. It was so captivating. It was haunting and it always stuck with me. And that movie kind of delivers. It's one of the yeah. better horror remakes of that era I agree. for sure I, now that we're talking about it it's like my mind is just going because another one where like the song i thought was like awesome was the Boz lerman gatsby movie jack white doing a cover of love is blindness and it was just like blasting they're hitting you with all these shots like really quickly the movie certainly didn't live up to the trailer which happened i kind of liked it i liked it too but I, I thought the trailer was really well done okay well <laughs> It did have that Elizabeth Debicki in it, who we like. That's true. We will potentially re revisit this. We could do more, so we don't need to like. That's true. Fret we, about so ones we don't pick. Yeah, let's stop going because down we that did road. kind of concentrate most of the picks for this episode in a pretty short time frame. That's true, and I mean, you know, some of the reasons for that is it's like off the top of your head, you're not like, I'm sure there was movies in the '90s when I was <laughs> going trailers that I was like, oh wow, but I, I really. No memory of that at this time. Yeah, well, unfortunately for me, as I get older, my memory is just shockingly bad. Like, I just cannot remember stuff as well as I used to. And so, I can even remember. though I love a lot of movies, I, yeah. I and I probably did see a lot of their trailers, I don't really remember them that well anymore. There's only like a handful that really jump out to me. Yeah, okay. First, Lost Girls in Love Hotels. <laughs> Yeah, a recent trailer. <laughs> That's our first one. No. Yeah. Folks, we'll probably talk about that movie more someday. Look it up. It'll, that trailer will be... How about this? That will be the recommendation for this episode. Okay. Go watch that trailer. Somehow, we're doing a Give Us a Second About Movie Trailers and A Star is Born not going to be discussed. <laughs> well, we that one was off limits just because we've already... That's well, yeah, we did cover that in explored. a preview of yeah. coming attractions, which was also a different version of a movie trailers. Give us a second. Right. <laughs> Those were just movies that hadn't actually come out yet yeah, at yeah. the time. All right, let's jump into the first one. I'm going to introduce them, and then Matt's going to give some thoughts on the trailer. Then we'll both sort of talk about the movie itself and, and how it lived up to the trailer. Yeah. How we feel about the movie in general. So the first one from 2010 Blue Valentine, directed by Derek C. and France, written by C. and France, Joey Curtis, K. 
Cammy Delavine, starring Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. This movie went on to get a Best Actress nomination for Williams and was a critical darling in the late 2010, early 2011 yeah. era. You got any, like, talents? Like, hidden talents? Can you dance? You can tap dance? Can you? No. Here, I'll play a song and you dance. Okay. I can't really sing. I have to sing goofy in order to sing. Like, I have to sing stupid. Okay? Okay. It's because I love you most We did Derek C. and Francis' movie, The Place Beyond the Pines, and I kind of talked about around this time period, like how I felt about him and how I was excited about him as a director but this was sort of the first look at what I would kind of get into for Derek C. and France like his whole like style this atmosphere I mean this is like right up my alley there's like a darkness to it and I feel like it, it hasn't really continued that way in his career but I love the way that this trailer is set up so we have Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams you can tell that they're like playing a little bit younger Michelle Williams looks like insanely skinny when she's playing like the younger yeah. version of herself and they're just sort of hanging out and he starts like playing this song on like a ukulele and she's like dancing. And then we have all of the like shots from the movies and you can just tell, okay, this is a, a love story where shit goes wrong. I mean, you know, from the title blue Valentine, it's like a Tom Waits song. Like, right. You know, this is going to be something that's right up my alley, but I love the way that this trailer was constructed. I, I still had a Facebook at this time. I can't remember what movie we saw this before, but I think like immediately after I was like posting the trailer on my Facebook profile. <laughs> oh God. And you were like commenting on it. Like, I can't wait to see this movie. <laughs> For me, I liked the movie and would have reviewed it positively. We might've still been doing the old podcast. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm, we may have actually reviewed this movie. That's on the true. Podcast, but, it is dark. It For is uncomfortable. For me, it doesn't hold like that rewatchable yeah. feel. <laughs> I love the movie, but I feel like I love the vibe of the movie almost more than the movie. I have that picture of her. It's on the vinyl, like her like sitting on his lap. Tattooed I think it, it was like back. an alternate cover, but I, I had it. Yeah, I have like it, you know, just like it was hanging on the wall in our apartment. I don't know where the hell it is now, but like I just love that vibe. I think like Grizzly Bear did the music for it or something. I will say, I can watch the trailer now, and I'm like, I'd much rather watch the trailer than the movie. The movie is fucking just sad. How bad that things go, and, like, this guy just cannot get his shit together enough to, like, keep this relationship together. And their fight scene, their breakup scene, I, I mean, they're married. <laughs> you know, we, we recently did Blue is the Warmest Color. Is this right airing after that i hope <laughs> yeah we're um, recording these on the same time yeah, that was an emotional breakup scene this uh, for me was on that level blue valentine is the warmest color that's right it's interesting too that they had to fight to get an r rating because of the cunnilingus scene that's true in blue valentine which is not explicit at all really no compared to <laughs> blue is the warmest color like which is just like fuck it Let's just show everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was like, I couldn't even believe that it was in question. 
Like, yeah, I it was thought one of those it was, like, weird so things tame. that they get, like, hung up about. And it's, like, if, you know, you can either, like, cut, like, half a second or something, or you can fight them on it. And they fought them on it, and they got it the R rating. Out. Yeah. I believe this was, like, under the Harvey Weinstein umbrella. <laughs> Typical Matt pick. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he only picks movies uh, yeah. from... I don't know, but like th- this movie and Place Beyond the Pines, like Derek C. in France was capturing this vibe that is just exactly what I want to see. The Place Beyond the Pines for me is rewatchable because of the epic scope of it. It's That's true. Such They're a definitely huge different. Swing. Yeah. Blue Valentine, you experience it's kind of like Mystic River or something where it's you're kind of like, limited. Yeah. This is really great, but <laughs> why do I want to? Yeah feel this again <laughs> yeah there's not a lot of joy to be had with blue valentine but i i do i loved this trailer it was impactful when i saw it in the theater and watched it a bunch of times before the movie in the years that have followed i'll randomly throw it on youtube because i do do that from time to time i'll watch old trailers this had a 7.4 on imdb so the viewers out there seem to like it as well i don't know box office wise what it did but certainly propelled Gosling to be a bigger star and sort of lead into his like nice little indie run that led into like bigger movies. Yeah, this was like the start of Ryan Gosling becoming like a cool actor, I feel like. Michelle Williams, there's always been this like air of melancholy surrounding her post Heath Ledger's death, even though they weren't really like, yeah. together anymore. But then she was in like Shutter Island and this and Manchester by the oh sea. Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, years it's in between. Like but yeah, that, just one talk about sad thing after another. I mean, her like <laughs> her memorable scene in Manchester by the Sea. I just think it's like an insane, emotional, sad performance. Next up, The Tree of Life from 2011, written and directed by Terrence Malick, starring Brad Pitt, Sean Penn, and Jessica Chastain. Three Academy Award nominations for directing, cinematography, and best picture. There are two ways through life. The way of nature and the way of grace. You have to choose which one you'll follow. We're alligators. You'll be grown before that tree is tall. It takes fierce will to get ahead in this world. Come on, hit me. Hit me. Come on, son. He's afraid of you. You expect things that a lonely adult can accomplish. I've just always wanted you to be strong, be your own man. a lot about Terrence Malick. Yeah, I <laughs> although mean, this, mostly in private, but sometimes that's on mic. True. Yeah, I'm, for someone that I, I wouldn't walk around to people and be like, I'm a huge Terrence Malick fan, but we have talked about him a shitload off the show <laughs> in our lives because there's just something so compelling about him and his movies, and you're just kind of like, what? But I do. There's f- no other American director, in my opinion, that makes movies like him. I think oh, internationally absolutely. over the years there are, but not American. And he attracts big stars, like big time. Speaking of Ryan Gosling, he's done movies with him. Everybody's done movies with him. That seems like oh, yeah. a big deal. And we are doing Tree of Life. I almost feel like any movie he's made since 2010 fits this same mold. Like his movies are built for trailers because 
the cinematography is like amazing unlike anything else you can see and it's always put to like some beautiful string music visual poetry yeah actors that you recognize intense little bursts of things that you're not sure how they're connected to anything and then you see the movie and you realize they're not really connected to anything i know (laughs) they're just little scenes that happen very quickly think that this needed to be a part of it for like every movie that we did but i thought in particular this was a good topic for tree of life where your experience with the trailer versus your experience with the movie like seeing a trailer for a terrence malick movie especially in the theater you know on the big screen with the sound and everything you're like this is almost entrancing. I, I remember the reaction to this. I remember Ronnie B. from Ron and Fez declared that the trailer for The Tree of Life was the best movie of 2010 <laughs> when the trailer first came out. That's right. Yeah. I, I think we actually, I know we discussed this before we started recording. Yeah. I think we saw this the first time before something like Black Swan, like that around seems that right. late yeah. 2010. I think the reaction was just like, what the fuck is this? I know. It certainly was, because I do remember after that, you know, there's talks of, like, more Terrence Malick movies coming out in the years to come, and, and some of them, it would take years for them to come out. But Spends do, a lot of time editing. That's right. To um, make sure that they don't make sense. But, you know, <laughs> I want to say that leaving the Tree of Life was, like, one of the most sober feelings I've ever felt. I didn't really know how to react You're to just it. like, I, I think you said that was either the best movie I've ever seen or the worst. <laughs> It's super weird because you're just (laughs) the parts with actors, I feel like, are pretty good and interesting. But there's an entire sequence in the middle of the movie that seemingly goes on forever. That's just like all of this, like amazing, beautiful imagery. But then all of a sudden there's shots of dinosaurs. Yeah, it's like a a history of time before mankind is just randomly thrown into into the middle of the movie. Yeah, I mean, if for people who haven't seen the more recent Terrence Malick movies, it's it's almost like impossible to explain. Yeah, that's right. What the fuck is going on? I think he probably peaked in this version with Tree of Life, and then everything after that was not as well received. This had like a very high critical reception, and like I said, it was nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated for yeah a couple of the big awards. He's never even really come close to that. I think some people felt like he deserved more credit for A Hidden Life, including me. That was unfortunately a victim of Disney buying Fox and like the whole thing, and Disney oh, yeah. did not really want to spend money promoting it or releasing it. So it kind of got lost in the shuffle. The, he's kind of come out with a shocking amount of movies in the past 10 years. Well, after taking a 20-year break after Days of Heaven before The Thin Red Line in 98, yeah. I would say the proficiency way higher. And we always seem to manage to go see it in the theater or whatever it is. Well, starting with Tree of Life, yeah. That's the thing. Seeing Tree of Life in the theater definitely sparked my interest. I think I ended up seeing Badlands and Days of Heaven for the first time that summer. I started to become more familiar with them. I remembered The Thin Red Line. I rented that and watched it as well. I did not even realize until later that he had done a movie between The Thin Red Line and Tree of Life, which was The New World, which I had not seen and didn't end up seeing until very recently. And it is, in my opinion, one of his least interesting movies. Probably right up there with sure. like Night of Cups and yeah. Song to Song. But- <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. Like I feel like with Song to Song, we were like trying to talk ourselves into it being like, maybe this is going to have more of a narrative to it. He always acts like it's going to, and then yeah. doesn't. Although he did say he was going to stop doing that, and then like A Hidden Life was like kind of more narrative, but not really. Still, <laughs> yeah, I mean, still felt as Terrence Malick as anything else. I did feel like it was definitely his best movie since The Tree of Life. I actually rewatched The Tree of Life not that long ago and enjoyed it. You just I have to be it. in the right. I've never rewatched it frame since of that mind. theater experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, I think that was the first thing I saw Jessica Chastain in, right? Yeah. And it's been this unbelievable She actually run had been in a movie I saw the year before called, or actually might have even seen it earlier that year, called The Debt. Okay. But I didn't know, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. it was a smaller right. part. I didn't really know who she was. And then she all of a sudden broke out very fast because she had a couple movies in 2011, including The Help, which was a big hit. And then she was in Zero Dark Thirty the next That's year. That's right, yeah, of It course. was really taking off. But yeah, it, it seemed almost like weird because it was like, Brad Pitt and Sean Penn and like yeah now Sean Penn seems like less of a big deal 
nine years later, but he still seemed like a pretty big deal. Yeah. And you're like, okay, two huge stars. And then, like, the woman, Jessica Chastain, you're like, I don't even know who that is. But she's, like, arguably the best part of the movie. Yeah, I think so. The Brad stuff almost, with like, the family in the in center is really intense and really well done. And you sort of wish that there would be more of that once it starts to, like, go a little bit off the rails. Yeah. But there is that mo- there is that section in the middle of the film with the family that's very well done. I, I agreed, yeah. And very intense, and you kind of get it. You kind of get what the story is for a while, and then it, you have to be, like, very open-minded. I remember we saw that in Squirrel Hill. Yes. Uh, the same place where we saw Manchester by the Were Sea. Were there people and booing? It, no, no one booed, but, but there, there was, was like, a guy making comments. Oh, yeah. That's right. During yeah. some of the crazy yes, stuff. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, I was going to say it's the same place we saw Manchester by the Sea where some old women talked during that oh, that's right. memorable oh, yeah, I know. Uh, Michelle Williams scene that you were referencing. So it's kind of a wild scene to see movies really? there. <laughs> Let's get to number three, a movie that I was flat out shocked that you suggested as one of these picks, and that would be Cloud Atlas. Oh, yeah. 2012. Yep. This is directed by Tom Tykwer and... Lana and Lily Wachowski, written by those three, plus Chris Lindsay, starring Tom Hanks, Halle Berry, Hugh Grant, Hugo Weaving, and a whole host of others, based on the novel by David Mitchell. No Oscar nominations. I should say that well reviewed. Tree of Life, even though it had was well received by critics, has a six point eight on IMDb, so it was kind of lower than some of these other ones. Cloud Atlas seven point four. So liked by fans. Okay, so give us your thoughts on the trailer, and then I'll tell you what I thought in re-watching the trailer okay. recently. I definitely saw the trailer in theaters, thought the trailer was awesome, and I think had some time apart from it and then started thinking about it again. And, and I remember just watching the trailer a bunch of times before seeing the movie. Loving the trailer, the movie is super long, but I don't know. I, I think that the trailer is just so well put together. It's crazy. And plus, like I think just the Wachowskis being involved it it just adds another level to something but i'm just they used this was at a time where they still had some cachet right they hadn't burned us with jupiter ascending that's the thing and i wouldn't even say like at any point in my life i've been a crazy wachowski's fan or anything but them being involved in something like weird just added another like element to it and it just seemed like this crazy movie with the scope of it being like insane across all of these different universes almost time periods uh, yeah, yeah and, from like prehistoric to like the very far future and then it had this original piece of piano music in it that sort of had this like melancholy tone to it the and cloud it, atlas sextet or whatever that's right called. yeah <laughs> but i know it i know i know it Halle berry and then like tom hanks almost it feels like he brings like some like legitimacy to it would it be better if tom hanks and Halle berry weren't in this movie would the movie be better without those two? Potentially, Do they like yeah, almost I, make it weird? They could, yeah. Because everybody in the movie plays essentially different parts throughout right. time. Yes. And some, I, I almost feel like there's some weird, actually I know for a fact there is some weird racial shit that they would never get well, away with Well, yes, now. absolutely. People and playing noticeable. like all different yes. races. A white guy playing like an Asian Which, guy. Which, when you think about it, makes sense. Because... Over that much of time period, we probably if, if say you were like reincarnated, or say that like everybody descends from like the same people from the beginning of time, you th- theoretically throughout history you probably have come from all different types sure, of people and yeah. would continue to go that way into the future. But just the idea well, that you're yeah. taking like <laughs> you know like a white actor and making them Asian and stuff, it's just. It's really wild. I know, but it's just there is so much crazy shit in it, and a lot of the stuff looks, like, really cool. I remember kind of liking the movie. I can't remember if I saw it in theaters. I think that I did, and then yeah. also watched it again on Blu-ray, and then started to really like it more. I've only watched it once. My feeling on it is that I liked it, but certainly while watching it, it was like one of those things where I was like, I'm ready for this to be over, which is never a good feeling, but at the end, I'm still kind of like, I kind of liked it though. I kind of well, like sometimes the scope you just admire the, the, the 
the, the swing. attempt. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's but not, like the actual idea of rewatching it right. is like, oh god. You just like the attempt. You like the the scope of it, but it's not so botched like like a Southland Tales or something where it's just like the scope of this is crazy and I'm kind of intrigued by it, but this is also just like incoherent garbage. Well, this is where our knowledge of what the movies turned out to be impacts how I view the trailers now. Because when I watched this trailer, yeah. I, my thoughts were like, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe this movie. Why do I? I think I own it on Blu-ray. Like, yeah. why would I ever want to watch this? This looks so stupid. Sure. Even though, like, I think I kind of liked it at the time. Yeah. Now I'm looking at it and I'm like. What the fuck? Well, like, I'm always when I watch the trailer. Who thought this was a good <laughs> idea? Well, I do think the the trailer is well put together. Like I said, I like the song in it. I like them hitting you with certain. There's certain like lines of dialogue from Tom Hanks in it that sort of you know the, there's like a pacing to it. But yeah, I think I will watch the trailer now and we'll be like, you know, I'd love to give this another shot at some point. But I just I still remember feeling like ready for the movie to be over while I watched it. Yeah, You're not really ready to dive back into something like that i mean from all indications i think the novel is really crazy and it seemed unadaptable and it's i guess debatable whether or not they successfully (laughs) really did so let's hit a big one here that everyone yes probably remembers who's old enough and that would be from 2008 the dark knight directed by christopher nolan Written by Nolan with his brother Jonathan and David S. Goyer, based on characters by Bob Kane, starring Christian Bale, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Heath Ledger, Aaron Eckhart. Nominated for eight Oscars. Supporting actor, sound editing, both of which they won, but then also cinematography, film editing, art direction, makeup, sound mixing. Notably did not get nominated for Best Picture. This movie is often credited as the catalyst for them jumping to 10 nominees the following year, which they kept for a while. Now they have like some weird thing where it could be anywhere from 5 to 10 or whatever the fuck it is. Who cares? Should have been nominated for Best Picture. Arguably should have won. I don't really Really? even remember what won that Um, year. Yeah, this is, for me, it's the mecca of a trailer being amazing and the movie living up to the trailer. things forever there's no going back see to them you're just a freak like me Nothing. No name, no other alias. Clothing is custom. Nothing in his pockets but knives and lint. Evening, Commissioner. Why so serious? Where is he? People are dying. What would you have me do? Endure. You can be the outcast. You can make the choice that no one else will face. The right choice. Gotham needs you. A little fight in here. I like that. Then you're gonna love me. Now that's more like it, Mr. Wayne. Part of the plan. Come on, help me! Let's put a smile on that face. <laughs> this movie has a 9.0 on IMDb. It's considered a masterpiece. It made over a billion dollars at the box office. To me, it's a thousand times better than any of this Marvel shit we have now. It's the best superhero movie by a million percent. Leading into this movie, this also like represents kind of a key like cutoff time in my life. Leading up to this trailer, 
this was probably like the last time that I wasn't really paying attention to what was coming out. I, like I didn't read about like movies that were coming out. I mean, I might find out about them through different things. Maybe I'd, I was on IMDb a lot, so I'd, I'd see it. But this trailer could hit. Holy shit, that's Heath Ledger playing the Joker. Like, I knew... Oh, so you didn't even know, like, before the trailer. I don't think so. I. So I, when he died, you, like, didn't even know he was in the middle of doing this? Or he I had done know. this? Maybe I, maybe I did. Maybe I did. It when, was big news to me because... Well, let did, me just put this in context Did he die before quick. the trailer even came out? Oh, he died in, like, January. Okay. All right, then, then so I, I, I must know. have known. There might have been a teaser. I can't okay. remember. But... I must have known then. Let's put this into perspective. So Tim Burton does two Batman movies starting in 89 and then 92. They're both pretty well received. I enjoy both of them. Sure. Who knows? We might do one yeah. or both of those someday on the podcast. I like both of those Batman movies. Batman Returns got a little ridiculous, but it's so much fun that you kind of forgive it. Then things go off the rails. Okay. I don't right. want to shit talk the recently departed Joel Schumacher, Joel Schumacher but... Things start to get a little nuts. There are rumors that there's a better cut of Batman Forever that he had that the studio fucked with. And Batman Forever's not terrible. It's just not great. That's with Val Kilmer as Batman. Batman and Robin, I've never actually watched the entire thing. Nor have I. It's generally regarded as awful. I don't even really know what to say. So the Batman franchise, in terms of major motion pictures, was essentially dead. Batman and Robin predates X-Men. It predates Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi one. Yeah. Superhero movies look like they might be dead with Batman and Robin because Superman had been dead for a while. There hadn't been anything going on. Marvel eventually kicks things into gear, but they're not owned by Disney yet. They're all over the place, like X-Men's with Sony or whatever, you know. Right, yeah. Whatever. They're all, I think X-Men's with Fox, Spider-Man's with Sony. They're all over the place. But We're, there was like a Eric Bana, Incredible Hulk movie. Like, that's yeah, yeah, well, yeah. that was after those. Yeah. But yeah, like, they're, they're starting to rev up, but Batman looks like, you know, it's been killed. At one point, there was like Aronofsky was maybe going to do like a Batman year one thing or something. There's all these different things that were being kicked about. All of a sudden, Batman Begins comes out. I saw that movie so many times in the theater. I was like, this is awesome. Meanwhile, now, like, I think Batman Begins is kind of boring. But it was so cool Yeah. at the time because you're like, holy shit. I was like a huge fan of Memento. And so I already knew who Nolan was mm-hmm. and was like excited. I didn't know. I, that, I, I wouldn't have known. I didn't that, know that, that he time. was directing yeah. it until like after it had come out. I had seen out. Memento, but this was still at a time in my life where like, I didn't know who directed every movie I saw. You know right, what I mean? Right, yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't put it together until Batman Begins was already out, and I, I was, like, watching it, and then I was like, oh, this is the dude that did Memento. So there's that, and then I was, like, a big Batman fan anyway. Like, I love Batman the Animated Series. I loved the Burton Batmans when I was, like, a little kid, Batman action figures, Batman whatever. Like, I, I liked Batman. And so to see this being treated so seriously, Christian Bale, who I knew from American Psycho, Liam Neeson in it, Katie Holmes was still like a big star in 2005. It just seemed like a big deal, and then it ends on the best thing ever because you're like, okay, oh, yeah, right. Raza Ghoul and the Scarecrow kind of random. Sure, yep. It's like they, I guess they didn't want to use ones that were already done before. They wanted to kind of start over. It's a great Batman origin story, at least as far as the big screen goes. And then it ends with like the Joker card, and you're like, perfect setup. Yeah, this is awesome. You have Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon. It's like everything is just unbelievable. Then that same year, Brokeback Mountain comes out. And so Heath Ledger kind of goes to like the next level of, in terms of being like a, a serious actor, like a big time star. That's right. He gets cast as the Joker, which was like big news. I remember there was pushback, even though the internet was still pretty yeah early. But I was like, not plugged into stuff at all. People were like, oh, this dude from like 10 Things I Hate About You. That's so weird. Like, why would this this is so weird to think because this is so long ago but i was already like i fully trust christopher nolan (laughs) i was like i believe this is gonna be great right i don't even remember if i saw the prestige in theaters but i was like i'm a hundred percent on board with this dude i trust this i'm rolling with it because again it's weird to think about because i don't really even ever want to watch batman begins but i just thought batman begins was so great that I i have to trust this i don't think i really watched batman begins Thinking back now, the Dark Knight trailer sent me into this whole Christopher Nolan thing. I definitely watched Batman Begins. There was, like, a Blu-ray release of it. 
So you didn't even see Batman Begins in the theater. Well, I went to the drive-in and it was playing, and I think I watched what was on the other screen. Like, I do have a memory of it, but, like, I didn't, yeah, like, yeah, I, I didn't really watch it. See, I was, like, going back and back to the theater, like, loving it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think at that time, I, I wasn't really that interested just because of the bad taste about Batman. I don't even think I, I really knew who Christian Bale was at the time when Batman Begins came out. Like, and I even knew who the Scarecrow was because I was a huge fan of well, 28 Days me, Later. I did know him. I, 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 I did, seen, like, 28 I'd, Days I later. saw 28 Days Later, like, four times in the theater. Yeah. I used to go see, like, these movies so often. So this trailer that you sent me, I was blown away that Aaron Eckhart, there was no Two-Face tease well, even dude, in this trailer. I remember thinking for a long time that he wasn't going to become Two-Face in this movie. That this was already like they're building a bridge into like the third movie. That makes sense. Although the first time I knew that there even was going to be Harvey Dent in it was the advertisements in a movie theater. And it had the Joker... And Batman, and then he was like holding something over half of his face. Okay, and it said yeah. like "I believe in Harvey Dent" or right. something, and I was like, "Oh shit, he's in this too." And it didn't really occur to me that they would be, because I I don't know. I guess I didn't really think about the possibility that he like wouldn't be Two Face like right away. I don't know. So like I just assumed he was going to be Two Face. I didn't yeah. really think of it in the same way as you, although that makes sense too. The anticipation for this movie. See, like, this is almost like a weird choice for me because they could have just not even had a trailer. And sure, I, okay. This movie was, by the time it came out, it seemed like that summer was right. just, like, dedicated to Batman. It was just, everyone yeah. was so in on this. But if we want to keep it focused on the trailer for a minute, so I saw the trailer. I mean, it spins me into this whole thing, like, okay, I think this is, like, I'm I'm coming into being, like, this Christopher Nolan fan now. Like, I go back, I watch Batman Begins. I watch The Prestige. I'm realizing that... This is the guy who made Memento, which is a, a movie I'd actually watched years ago and thought was cool, but it was really before a time that I was, you know, yeah. a, a cinephile. <laughs> so it, it kind of like launches this whole other thing for me. And I'm watching the trailer over and over. I, I remember being at my friend's house and them having like direct TV and it's just like on a channel that just plays trailers. <laughs> and like every half hour or so, the Dark Knight one is rotating into it. And like every time I'm just like, I cannot wait to see this. This looks fucking amazing there's a couple different versions of it but the one i sent you to watch i I just love like that opening narration being the joker ending with the to them you're just a freak like me and he's like like he does the voice change and everything and the the laugh and he was so like horrifying and just this amazing trailer the movie was amazing now i mean i know you love blue valentine i know uh, we both kind of like tree of life yeah i don't know how we really feel about cloud (laughs) atlas we're both there on cloud atlas this movie for me is better than any trailer. This actually exceeds the trailer, which is oh yeah something that doesn't sure. happen very often. Maybe like once or twice a year, <laughs> really. Sure. Maybe yeah. like a couple times a year that you actually exceed the trailer. I feel like the more years that go by, this movie becomes like more underrated because yeah. younger people are kind of coming up now and they're more attached to like Iron Man or the Marvel stuff. So they're, they see this as, like, the previous generation's thing. This movie's now 12 years old, which, think about that. Like, you're seeing a movie in the year 2000. You're thinking about a movie from 1988 then. I mean, 12 oh, years yeah. is a whole other time period to these kids. Absolutely. And so they're not they're not seeing it the same way as us. And, I mean, I get that. You know, times change. People come up with their own things. You know, they're more yeah. invested in whatever. But... The way that Nolan was able to mix realism into yes. this like fantasy superhero world just it was the perfect it idea. It was cool. Yeah. Chef's kiss. I still <laughs> right. I mean, I I'll still put up Nolan's Batman trilogy with any movie series of the past whatever. Well, the 30 thing about years. the Dark Knight for me is that it transcends superhero absolutely it's just like it's on a whole level all of its own. It's like, like a top movie just in general yeah. for me. It is. It's great. Which I can't really say that about any other superhero movie. Yeah, I would agree. I think we're both very fond of The Dark Knight Rises as well. And I do think ultimately, in terms of rewatching, that's my second favorite. Yeah, but same. It's not even close, really. It, right. To like the just the unbelievable moments in this, like the part with like the flaming 
fire truck just in the middle of the street. I mean, that part, oh, that whole sequence is like unbelievable. Well, it's yeah, like, I, the 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 Joker performance, and I did feel like honestly, like in Dark Knight Rises. I mean, I know there's a lot to goof on with the Bane voice and everything, but I did. Bane was a like a, a scary figure in the theaters. No, Bane is awesome. It's just the story. There's like sure, holes in the sure. story that are a little more jarring. Right, but for like people. the the Joker, I, I mean, was like downright scary at times. Yeah, because I guess if you're coming at it from a more like cynical perspective, you can be like, well, it's just like any other superhero movie. You know who's gonna win in the end, and blah blah blah. But I just feel like for two hours and a half or however long it is, you generally kind of believe that anything could happen is on the table in the dark night yeah it just creates that kind of atmosphere where you really aren't sure what's going to happen next lived up to it absolutely i don't know if we'll ever get a superhero movie that feels like that i mean maybe we will it just seems like the current appetite is for something different i can remember uh, heading into the dark knight rises having conversations with people where they were acting like if heath ledger hadn't died that it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to be a character a, a primary character i don't think thing. anybody ever really it's hard to, yeah i'm cu- I'm, I'm really curious it was too to early to tell he died yeah. bef- way before the movie even came out yeah. i doubt that i mean i'm sure if you like really somehow got the true serum out for like nolan and goyer and everybody involved with coming up with a story they would maybe give you a little bit of what they had in mind but yeah. i doubt there was anything i know i'd love concrete. to know yeah I'd love to know where they were thinking. It did seem like a specific choice not to kill. That's what I mean. It's always interesting that he didn't die. The Joker. And then ultimately, Scarecrow appears briefly in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. So he's like always there. But like when it's The Joker, you feel like you can't really just have him there. Yeah, have him just pop up. Right. Or nothing at all. And I'm glad they didn't recast him because remember there was like briefly a rumor that they would have someone else play the Joker. I know what was funny. I remember like people thinking Joseph Gordon-Levitt was going to be in it, and then he was cast in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, well maybe that's where part of those rumors. Yeah, that's true. Last one. Yeah. Sucker Punch, 2011. You wanted to do The Watchmen. I vetoed it because we also did an episode on Watchmen. Although the Watchmen trailer is sweet. It is, but I that's another one where like I only barely remember it that was one that when i saw it in the theater just real quick on the watchman had no idea what it was like i wasn't familiar with the graphic novel at all and that was another one when i saw the trailer it sent me down this whole spiral i suddenly i get into the graphic novel i get into alan moore and stuff you know like things that like weren't a part of my life before all started just because of like a trailer you know what's weird i got into alan moore because of v for vendetta which was prior to that but it did not lead me to read the watchman until the, I saw the Watchmen movie. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I was like, oh, this dude wrote V for Vendetta. He wrote The Killing Joke. I remember reading The Killing Joke, which is like his Batman thing. It was Didn't he have like long. a Swamp Thing? I read too? his Swamp Thing yeah. thing too, but that was not until years later when Kevin Smith was talking about it oh, on this right. podcast yeah. and like <laughs> crying about it, <laughs> which is, you know, not that surprising for right. me. And yeah, and Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is awesome too. Everything Alan Moore did that I read was. Oh yeah, good. I didn't read like all of his stuff. I never read like Lost Girls. But this is this haha. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, wow. Uh, this is a good conversation though to lead into it because I do feel like Zack Snyder. There was I, there was actually kind of an excitement around him at the time because Watchmen had this history of sort of people considered it unadaptable, and I don't think like Watchmen wasn't like beloved, but I think everyone kind of felt like he did a good job with it. There's definitely like a camp that really loves and respects Watchmen. And for me, I would probably consider it his best movie, although I think his Dawn of the Dead remake is really good too. Yeah. I'm not like the biggest 300 fan, although a lot of people loved 300 when that first came out, and that's another big-time comic writer, Frank Miller, did 300. What was funny is, I don't know how this came to be, but like... Sucker Punch? Well, yeah, that too, but remember... That right in between Watchmen and Sucker Punch, he did that owl like animated movie. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what the fuck? I know he's he's done like a lot of things, and now he's mostly known for like Man of Steel and then Justice League and Batman versus Superman and all this other shit going on. And it seems like HBO Max is going to release this 
Snyder cut version of Justice League that we've all been hearing about, I guess. I don't know. I don't care. I yeah, stopped watching those movies after Man of Steel, which I didn't think was that great. I think Christopher Nolan agreed with me because he produced Man of Steel and then abruptly stopped being involved with DC movies really? yeah. in general. Sucker Punch was directed by Zack Snyder, written by Snyder with Steve Shabaya. It stars Emily Browning, Vanessa Hutchins, Abby Cornish, Jenna Malone, and Jamie Chung as like the main five girls. There's also like Oscar Isaac, Carlo Gugino, right. John Hamm is in it. This cast was also like this big deal at the time. This like predates Spring Breakers, but like oh, that's right, like Vanessa Hutchins. It was like a because like I think Emma Stone was at one point attached, and I think there was someone else in that mix, maybe like Emma Watson or somebody. It was like a very all the hot young chicks of that era. They're gonna be like in this badass like comic book style movie, but not based on any specific comic book original story. The premise seemed cool. The trailer was very much like a music video, uh, very exciting looking. You're like, what is this? This looks so epic. Yeah, super cool music. Even like the scope of it just seemed like insane because there's just like all of a sudden like a dragon. And, like they're going to like all this, yeah, dragons, like, like, World War II. You're like, what the fuck is going on? And then you kind of get the idea that they're in like this institution or something. I will say that like ultimately the soundtrack was kind of cool Absolutely. and I did there's listen to some tracks from it later. Same. There's like it's a, there's like a bunch of really cool like covers. Yeah, Emily it. Browning sings a lot of them. She's like the main girl in it. She never her and like Abby Cornish both seemed like they were headed for like bigger things yeah. around this time and it never really happened. Emily Browning is in a bunch of movies but a lot of them not very big. Well, yeah. There's that weird one where she's like called Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty, yeah. <laughs> That, watch that trailer. It's like hypnotic. <laughs> watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then come back to us. Sucker Punch has a 6.0 on IMDb, which, frankly, is way too high. Yeah. I would say that Sucker Punch is a top three disappointment in my entire life, and I'm extending that beyond just movies. It's funny because... I was so let down by yeah, this Yeah, I can remember we went to see it in the IMAX at Pittsburgh Mills. Oh, God, and you couldn't even tell what was happening most of the time. I know, yeah. It was um, just like cgi mess in front of you and you're like i don't know what's happening anymore i remember being like so excited for it i tried to force myself into the end to saying that i liked it but look is it an f no but it's not much higher than a d (laughs) plus i mean it's it's not great i mean i do remember and that's the thing like the whole movie just sort of feels like a trailer so it's like right perfect to do for this and then this much like cloud atlas like now revisiting this trailer you can't help but be influenced by knowing how bad the movie right. is right so now that the trailer hard to get seems excited stupid about. yeah where you're just like oh this looks so terrible yeah i don't know why we, i mean i guess like you know we're talking about like 10 years ago folks i was still in my 20s you know i think a you know, I was a little bit more sold on just like, oh, there's like five hot chicks like, just like in tight fitting out outfits, yeah. jumping around, right. doing fights and stuff. And I'm like, this is going to be fights. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be so cool. Yeah, Abby Cornish. Wow. You don't see her popping up a lot these days, but wasn't she I'm the girlfriend fan. in like, <laughs> what was that movie with Bradley Cooper where he takes like a pill? What was that called? Oh gosh, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? They made a TV show about Limitless? It. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't she in that? Possibly. Or was that somebody else? I don't I've never seen it actually. The movie like wasn't that bad. I never I can never saw the show. Okay. Anyway, Sucker Punch was a huge letdown. But yeah, a lot of really cool songs in it. <laughs> <laughs> haven't watched it since we saw it in the I theater. I think I bought it for a dollar on Blu-ray, but I haven't watched it yeah. since I bought it. I should like revisit I would, it now. I I would. I would rewatch it. Let's just put it on right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's like eleven thirty like midnight. At night, yeah, but yeah. Let's just start watching it. Yeah, it was a very early role for Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I didn't know who he was at the time. I believe Drive was later that same year, which was when Holy I first shit. started to yeah. know. When I looked at this and I saw Sucker Punch was two thousand eleven, I was like blown away. I thought it was like two thousand nine or Drive 10. was like a few years after this. Holy shit! Pretty sure Drive was two thousand eleven. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense based on other things that feels right. Anyway, so this was a an attempt at something new, talking about some classic trailers. We somehow managed to do it without talking about A Star is Born. Yeah, that's a win. Which is a trailer I remember vividly because yeah. we did literally watch that like 300 times. Absolutely. Another one that I'd say like the movie like almost lived up to the trailer. <laughs> 
Yeah, we we were so invested in that trailer that it was there nearly was no impossible was for a, anything right. to live up to. Yeah. It. <laughs> I'm sure people are like blown away by like how much we care about a star. No, I know. I've been, I've like talked to people and they're like, "Yeah, I, I saw it. Yeah. And didn't care for it. They didn't care for the movie." Yeah. Well, whoever that is, please never talk to them again <laughs> or kill them. Yeah, well, but I also feel like and I do this with Lindsay all the time. It's me being excited about like anything and acting like it's it people just like react poorly to that, I feel like. <laughs> to you being excited about Yeah, something. like they're like, Okay, wow and then they see it and they're like, I, I don't know. I think I, I overhype people don't you know Yeah, that's possible. All right. I've already got some ideas for like a volume two of this. Maybe we could return to it at okay. some point. I think it's fun. I think I don't know. It, it's fun and to get yourself back into that mindset of I love being excited about movies, and we talked about it with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I don't feel that way very often anymore. Well, see, that's a perfect example of the trailer meaning nothing. Yeah. I did not care about that trailer. I mean, the trailer was okay. The The teaser trailer was was like, I don't even care about the teaser trailer. The full one was like, all right, didn't matter what it was. It could have just been like words on a screen, and I would have been there day one. Sure. Okay. And it would have blown the trailer out of the water. But the trailer had a vibe that was, I was like, oh, yeah. If anything, I was, like, secretly a little concerned. Oh, okay. I think going into that movie, I was like, I don't know about what this is going to be. And I ended up loving it, but that was almost an example of me not being 100% in on the trailer, which I can admit now that okay. everything worked out for the best. But, yeah, now I'm, like, racking my brain, like, what did we think about this trailer or that trailer? But I'm thinking, like, more recent stuff. It sucks, though, because, like I said, your memory starts getting fuzzy, so you can't really remember how trailers were back in the day when you were, like, a kid. And certainly anything that, like, predates, you know, like, we can't be like, oh, remember the Back to the Future trailer? I have a lot of, like, sliding doors moments from trailers because it's just they send off these, like, chain of events that, like, have me start, like, researching things and getting into things, you know? Well... For me, I just remember, like, those insane years of, like, 2009, 10, 11, 12, where I was seeing, like... That was a good era. 75 to 100 movies in the theater every year, <laughs> and so you would see... the it, That was the era of the trailers wearing you down. Well, sure. Like, you would see the trailer the first time, you'd be like, this looks fucking terrible. No. I have zero interest. And then by the 12th time, you're like... I kind of want to. All right. Yeah. I guess I'll see due date, right. <laughs> which I love. That's my example of because I thought that trailer looked so bad. Who was that? Jamie Foxx and Robert Downey Jr. Yes. And you're like, oh, this is just some terrible rehash of that planes, trains, and automobiles. Todd Phillips like follow up to The Hangover, though. Yeah, folks, the movie sucks, <laughs> and I was right with my first impression of yeah. that trailer. But by the twelfth time, you're like, fine, I'll see this. It wears you down. Sanctum, <laughs> produced oh, by James Cameron, right. was another one where you're finally like, okay, I guess I'm gonna see Sanctum now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, that'll wrap it up for give yeah. us a second. I Follow hope we return to this someday. The show on Twitter at Greatest Pod and subscribe on Apple and Podbean. We'll be coming back with a full fledged episode real soon, so be on the lookout for that. And thanks for listening.
don't even drink wine. I drink Pepsi. You can't bring Pepsi. Why not? Because we're adults. You're telling me that wine is better than Pepsi? <laughs> no way, wine is better than Pepsi. 